What if the aliens piloting UFOs are as closely related to us as was the Neanderthal? What if, in fact, so-called greys are just an unrecognized branch of the human family? A cult classic, Crypto-Terrestrials, by the Midwestern futurist Mac Tonys, argues just this. And more, all in today's Spectral Skull Session. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Welcome back. Mac Tonys was a futurist, blogger, and science fiction author. Born in 1975, he lived in Kansas City, Missouri, before dying unexpectedly in 2009. Today, I review his posthumously published book, Crypto-Terrestrials, colon, Meditations on Indigenous Hominoids. Crypto-Terrestrials is a little-known theory of UFOs and abductions that maintains the quote-unquote aliens originate from our own planet, and may actually be a breakaway human civilization. It became an instant cult classic in the UFO world after it was published in 2010, one year after Tony's untimely demise. It was recently mentioned in an article appearing in the peer-reviewed Journal of Cosmology, authored by one rogue engineer who is a big name in UFOlogy that would be Hal Putoff. Putoff literally recommended Tony's book, Crypto Terrestrials, for an in-depth look at the view that aliens are from this planet. So let's get started. Here is the thesis of crypto-terrestrials, quote, at least some accounts of alien visitation can be attributed to a humanoid species indigenous to the Earth, a sister race that has adapted to our numerical superiority by developing a surprisingly robust technology. The gist of the crypto-terrestrial hypothesis is that there are beings on this planet which are not really aliens, although they appear to be. In fact, they are something like our cousins. They may be a subspecies like Neanderthal, or the Denisovans, who broke off from the human race around 700,000 years ago. They may be something like Homo floriensis, the hobbit man who's believed to have broken off around 100,000 years ago, and to have survived in Indonesia at least for another 50,000 years. And there's also an anthropologist, Gregory Forth, who's saying that the Homo floriensis may have still been alive recently, or even today, still living on the, that island. Um, but these crypto-terrestrials, as I'll call them, could also be a breakaway civilization. That is, they could be outright humans who've developed advanced technology and then become hermits. In any event, these crypto-terrestrials have a long-standing love-hate relationship with us. On one hand, they prefer to hide from us and avoid overt detection. On the other hand, 
they have some sort of dependency on us. These beings are both shy and needy. Tony suggests they're worried about our superior numbers, hence the shyness. He postulates that we have something they require, hence their neediness. Sounds like they have a personality disorder, actually. Perhaps as a result of this unfortunate combination of traits, shyness and neediness, the crypto-terrestrials have developed an elaborate panoply of skills and technological tools for the purpose of disguise, deception, and manipulation. They are continually hiding from us, and when they do interact, they engage in elaborate counterintelligence operation to fool human contactees into thinking that they are extraterrestrials. As long as they keep us fooled, they know we won't mount a concerted effort to sift through the far corners of the Earth and find them out. So when they interact with us, they always present themselves as something they're not, but that presentation is largely a ruse. Now this begs the question, why do these crypto-terrestrials need to interact with us at all? Well, Tony suspects that all these stories about aliens kidnapping people to probe them, often accessing their reproductive organs and taking reproductive material, these stories must have some basis, in fact. Well, maybe the crypto-terrestrials have dwindled in numbers. They're suffering from genetic degeneration as a result of having too small a gene pool. They're basically inbred. So they kidnap us humans, and they take genetic material to replenish their own stock. This could be why a lot of the people who report alien abductions and close encounters are actually rather high-functioning people. People in the intelligence community, Air Force pilots, astronauts. The crypto-terrestrials may be looking to collect from some of our top specimens. The crypto-terrestrials' twin properties of shyness and neediness do the bulk of the work in Tony's theory, for it is because the aliens are both adverse to pursuing something like normal international relations, and also dependent on us, they've been forced to hyper-specialize in the tools of deception and manipulation. But what is the evidence that the entities behind UFOs, close encounters, and abductions are misleading us, presenting themselves as something they're not? Well, here it's helpful to pause and say there's a long history in the field of UFOlogy of assuming there is an element of trickery involved in the UFO and abduction phenomena. This can be traced back at least as far as French scientist Jacques Vallée. Vallée's 1969 book, Passport to Magonia, probed commonalities between UFOs, abductions, cults, religious movements, demons, angels, ghosts, cryptid sightings, and psychic phenomena. Now, Vallée, who is still alive today, has the view that UFOs are ancient to our planet. They're ancient, but not necessarily indigenous. Vallée's view is that the shining disks and bug-eyed greys that modern people encounter are a permutation of the European fairy people and other historical folk stories. That is not to say they are merely stories. Vallée maintains that there is a core phenomena, something that is real, but which continually reinvents itself in a way that's consistent with the culture of the era. Now, he doesn't know what that core phenomena is. He presents himself as a scientist empirically documenting a phenomena. So Tony's straightforwardly adopts Vallée's view that UFOs are continuous with a wide range of other paranormal phenomena. And his explanation for this continuity is that the crypto-terrestrials have just been changing their cover story. 
at least in part, that's because they're developing alongside us. Here he cites the famous stories about airships and mystery blimps from the late 19th century, which preceded flying saucer stories by at least half a century. Tony suggests that perhaps the reason why these entities only show up appearing to be about a century ahead of us is because they really aren't that advanced. They're moving along just as we are. This might also explain why they use unreliable and ineffective hypnotic memory suppression to scramble the memories of contactees. Sure, it's more advanced than anything the CIA or Russian FSB may have, but it doesn't work as well as the flashy thingy in Will Smith's movie Men in Black. Now, the functional core of McTony's crypto-terrestrial hypothesis is that the crypto-terrestrials offer a better explanation for the reports we hear of alien abduction, UFO encounters, than the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Here's just a couple more examples of uh, ways in which crypto-terrestrials better fit the data. One, why do greys present as basically human, right? Why do they have, you know, they have skin like ours, they have two eyes, they've got big heads, that they're basically bipedal humanoids. Well, they are human. Why do they have large eyes? He says, well, maybe they've evolved to live in caves. Why are the interiors of their spaceships often messy and disorganized? Tony cites Whitley Strieber's communion as evidence. Because they're just local, fallible humanoids, and not super-advanced Star Trek-like visitors. Why do they warn abductees about nuclear weapons and the threat of ecological collapse? Because they need this planet, just like we do. And lastly, the crypto-terrestrial hypothesis is uniquely suited to explain the weirder, fringe elements of alien abduction stories. Robert Anton Wilson loved to retell the story of the aliens who brought an Air Force officer a stack of pancakes when Betty and Barney Hill retold their famous abduction story. Barney Hill insisted the aliens were wearing Nazi uniforms. And the UFO chronicler Terry Lovelace has one anonymous story in one of his books about a couple began exhibiting the signs of trauma with nightmares after an encounter with a mysterious disappearing Christmas store in the desert of Nevada. Well, McTony says this makes sense if you think of the crypto-terrestrials as engaged in a project of deception and manipulation. They present unclassifiable behavior to the observer as a way of ensuring they get attention, but also discrediting anyone who attempts to investigate them in a serious, organized, or scientific way. Finally, there is one other line of argument in the book. Uh, Tony's maintains that we can explain a, explain a wider range of paranormal phenomena using the crypto-terrestrial hypothesis than we can with the extraterrestrial hypothesis. He says there are all these reports we hear about, you know, monsters living in the woods, living in the mountains, living in caves, possibly... They're a breakaway from the breakaway race. Maybe this is what the greys who come to harvest our gametes are afraid of, that if they don't keep replenishing their stock, they will degenerate into something like Bigfoot or the little people. And indeed, some of their exiles have degenerated. So that is the book's argument in a nutshell. There's a little more to the book insofar as Mac Tony's continually jumps between the crypto-terrestrial hypothesis and the extra-dimensional hypothesis. So uh, he almost undermines himself on every chapter by saying, 
well, here's how the crypto terrestrial view explains things better than the extraterrestrial view, but then suddenly says, but they could also be from another dimension. And here's another reason why that's an attractive way of thinking. So um, I'm just cutting out all the stuff about the all about other dimensions. What are we to make of the argument in crypto terrestrials? Let me start by saying briefly, uh, here's something that I really liked about the theory. The crypto terrestrial theory could explain the theme of haunted liminal spaces in ancient texts like the Book of Enoch and in their modern guise as the so-called paranormal hotspot. A couple sessions ago, number 52, Book of Enoch, I noted that the ancient apocryphal text Enoch 1 works with the theme that uninhabited wasteland spaces are populated with myriad supernatural entities. And the modern version of that is the paranormal hotspot, the idea that certain wild and forlorn regions of the earth are harboring weirdness in both abundance and diversity. Examples of the paranormal hotspot include the Bridgewater Triangle, discussed in session number 10. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle is a marshy, desolate region between Boston, Massachusetts, and Providence, Rhode Island, where people have seen UFOs, orbs, puckwudgies, giant snakes, mutilated animals, evidence of devil-worshipping cults, and ghostly apparitions. Other paranormal hotspots include Sedona, Arizona, Skinwalker Ranch, New Mexico, the land between the lakes in Kentucky, and the Bermuda Triangle. Well, here is how you might bring all these things together under the crypto-terrestrial manifold. Perhaps these crypto-terrestrials have bases scattered around the globe. As we expand, they relocate. So we come, they flee. But they also have a rearguard strategy of using projected illusions to scare us away. This buys them time before the next big relocation. It would also explain why hotspots tend to flare and then die down. Perhaps it corresponds to their degree of exposure. You could imagine that there are some periods when the crypto-terrestrials really want to trot out a wide range of holograms, maybe during periods of major reconstruction work on a base, or during a period of abandoning the base, evacuating. They might need additional cover, and so they deploy their technology of duplicity during these periods. I will call this the Scooby-Doo expansion pack to the extraterrestrial hypothesis, because in the Scooby-Doo cartoons, all sorts of high strangeness would occur, but in the end, it was always an elaborate hoax by someone who had secret reasons for wanting to scare people off their property. So let's think of these crypto-terrestrials as potentially being like crotchety old men who have secret reasons for wanting to control liminal spaces. Now, I could go on because I thought there were actually a lot of interesting ways in which the crypto-terrestrial hypothesis could be expanded on but let me criticize the theory now before giving you my final thoughts. Uh, my main criticism, Mac Tony's seems like he leans strongly in the direction that these crypto terrestrials are much more advanced than us. So they have something like holographic projectors, right? They also seem to have some kind of spaceship. Um, even though their spaceships might not be exactly as we always see them as, they certainly come in a variety of shapes and colors and sizes, um, they seem to have some quiet way to get around quickly. So they must have at least some kind of airship, plus these holographic projectors. Now, my problem with that is that even something as simple as a very sophisticated holographic projector would imply a massive industrial base. 
When we humans make electronics, they have zinc, copper, plastic, and rare earth elements inside of them. These things require distinct mines, zinc mines, copper mines. We need oil wells and petroleum refineries. The sheer uh, physical and geographical scale of industrial production required to support the creation of advanced technology seems like it would be too large to keep concealed. You know, a parallel race running industrial production would require a global parallel economy. Now, there are two ways that a Mac Tony's defender could reply to this objection. One would be to go high, and one would be to go low. So let's go high first. Maybe these crypto terrestrials are just incredibly advanced. Maybe they've reached the point where they have the equivalent of like a 3D printer that runs on human garbage. They can just shove our broken down refuse into one end and print out a holographic projector on the other. Or they shove in, you know, an old car and they get out a spaceship. But now we're talking about something so advanced, it seems almost magical. And that raises questions about why these crypto terrestrials are so afraid of us. If they can just build whatever they want, more or less on demand, why not build fighting machines and chase us away from their bases? Why do they have to rely on subterfuge? Now, you might go in the other direction. You might say, well, maybe these crypto terrestrials, they really just have well-developed soft skills. They have something like hypnotic powers. They're very, very skilled in the art of persuasion. They can implant wild false memories and hallucinations in people's minds. Uh, the problem with this, once the UFO phenomena is completely inside the human head, why do we need crypto terrestrials at all? To make the theory more parsimonious, let's just clip out the hidden people with hypnotic powers entirely. Instead, we could just say, sometimes normal human beings go into altered states of consciousness and they see things that aren't there. Maybe it's sometimes even contagious so that many people share the same hallucinations and delusions with overlapping content. So what, what work do the crypto terrestrials even do in your theory that aims to explain UFO encounters and abductions if they're nothing more than uh, a thing that kicks off a process that happens entirely inside the human mind? And look, I think that downgrading the crypto terrestrials to just having soft skills will massively underappeal to anyone who is interested in UFOlogy because what's dry, drawing people to the field right now is, you know, the U.S. military admitting that we have some interesting videos of things we can't explain. And supposedly they have these videos and the videos are corroborated by radar data and, and advanced sensor data. You know, and you might say, well, maybe these aliens, they're not aliens, but maybe these crypto terrestrials are just so good at manipulating us, they've manipulated groups of humans into lying about the quality of their data. They've got Lieutenant David Fravor from the USS Nimitz out there attesting that he chased a Tic Tac, but uh, he never did. And he's just being fooled by the crypto terrestrials. But once you develop such an elaborate theory of deception, you start to get to the question like, well, why did we need to have the crypto terrestrials at all? Let's just say David Fravor is part of a secret society of Americans who are lying about UFOs. So that is my criticism of crypto terrestrials in a nutshell. No matter how you tweak their 
level of technological development, I don't see it panning out, at least not if the main industrial base for their society is located on this planet. And this leads me to my charitable attempt to reconstruct Mac Tony's theory. I'm going to offer you my best version, my most defensible version of crypto terrestrials right now. This takes a little explaining. Now, I really like the idea of moving the domain of the UFO and their occupants closer to home. I developed this idea on my own in session number 32, Why Not Think the Aliens Are Locals? Check that out. I stand by my work there. I'm happy even to see a science channel on YouTube has picked it up. John Michael Godier, without citing me, did a recent episode where he talks about how there could be life in our solar system. Interesting that he did not cite me. Maybe he had the idea independently of me. So the best version of the crypto-terrestrial theory, to my mind, would be where the crypto-terrestrials have moved their main industrial base off-world. Perhaps they're operating out of the moons of Jupiter or Saturn. This is the direction I would move the theory if I were developing this theory. I think it seems reasonable to say that crypto-terrestrials are more plausible than extraterrestrials. We already know there were other life forms on this planet that were probably intelligent, and we know they were related to us. So the idea that the Neanderthal became so advanced, it fled to the moons of Jupiter, as ridiculous as that sounds, it requires less dramatic departure from what we already know to be true than the view that we're being visited by aliens from another planet. The idea that Neanderthals developed an industrial base on Jupiter doesn't require positing an entirely new form of life. So I'm going to call my own riff off of the Mactoni crypto-terrestrial hypothesis the Scooby-Doo Space Neanderthal. My theory, in a nutshell, an ancient ancestral cousin of Homo sapiens relocated to local space These space Neanderthals maintain a small-scale presence on the Earth, mostly in remote regions like deep under the oceans. And they visit us humans from time to time to steal our gametes. And they stay hidden through a clever combination of propaganda, holograms, and mind control. The Scooby-Doo space Neanderthal. Now, I absolutely understand this theory sounds even weirder than aliens but I contend it's actually much more plausible. Perhaps you have just gotten used to hearing about aliens and you've relaxed, stopped thinking about how strange the idea really is. But let's not make the mistake of confusing the novelty of Scooby-Doo space Neanderthals for impossibility. Just because something is new does not mean it is not plausible, or at least not relatively plausible in comparison with extraterrestrials from another planet. Let me talk about something else. So I've been seeing the UFOlogy community tack in the direction of extra dimensionals lately. Even Hal put off the scientist who got me interested in reading this book, Crypto Terrestrials. He's on the record being one of these people who are interested in the idea these craft are from or traveling through other dimensions. The UFO people increasingly say that we need to go beyond the three dimensions of space, and the extra dimension of time to explain the weirder aspects of these encounters. 
the way the craft seemed to phase in and out of our reality, just appearing and disappearing, the reports of time stopping, the reports of missing time, sort of impossible dimensions of these stories, just so you really know what I'm talking about. Now, here's a quote from Lou Elizondo in an interview he gave to the Washington Post. Now, Lou Elizondo is one of the Pentagon whistleblowers who informed us that the Pentagon had a secret project investigating UFOs in the uh, early 2000s. So it's just a quote from him in this interview with the Washington Post. He says, so something I've said before, this is something, and I guess I may just have, I may have just said it again, but that this could be something from outer space, inner space, or frankly, the space in between. There's a lot of options out there. This could be something that is extra hyper-dimensional. Now, I don't mean extra-dimensional in a woo-woo sense. I mean extra-dimensional in a quantum physics sense. We know the universe is full of shortcuts and loopholes. End quote. The problem, as I see it, is that this is one of the gentlemen who were instrumental in rehabilitating UFOs as something that the public and our government should take seriously. And here he is positing new physics in order to account for the things that people are observing in the skies. But should we really go to completely new physics before we've considered the possibility of deception and manipulation? Because it seems to me, if the extraterrestrial people end up saying, extraterrestrial is not going to be strong enough to explain the data, we're going to need to posit new physics. Once we go there, we're radically revising the way we look at the universe but we haven't yet contemplated, maybe it's just one of the most elaborate hoaxes in human history. Don't you have to take that idea seriously? And the Scooby-Doo space Neanderthal hypothesis, as wild as it is, it doesn't involve positing new life forms or new physics. It just says there's a very elaborate deception taking place. In general, I would like to see the field of UFOlogy get more creative about thinking through the various ways in which we might be getting deceived. I think we have to go beyond just the view that the alternative to extraterrestrials is like swamp gas or, um, you know, people mistaking lights in the sky like Venus for aliens. And so, look, you might run a parsimony critique of my own Scooby-Doo space Neanderthal hypothesis and say, well, let's just get rid of the space Neanderthals. Maybe it's all Scooby-Doo. Maybe this is really all just a very elaborate counterintelligence operation. All right, let's stop there. Let's not make the mistake of confusing novelty for impossibility. And always remember to stay strange and stay safe.